Welcome back to the Edgy Conversations podcast. I'm Dan Waldschmidt. Welcome back to another episode, right? I just, I said welcome twice. I guess I hope you're excited about this new topic of purpose like I am. I've just spent the last two and a half hours sitting in bed, literally sitting in bed. I've been in bed, which is antithetical to everything you know about me. By the way, this is the podcast about radical health for people who want it. And this month's topic is this area of purpose. Why have I been in bed, right? It's a brand new year. We're going like a bullet out of a gun. Crazy man towards our goals. And here I am sitting in bed. By the way, I had four pillows behind me. I went downstairs twice to make three cups of coffee. I don't know about you, but I've got a Yeti. And I I put the Keurig not on the most, the biggest button. I'd go for the one on the middle. It makes the coffee a little more concentrated. I'll do two of those inside my Yeti. Put a little bit of... uh, of uh, straight creamer in it, like the the full fat whipping cream. So that, oh, that's my breakfast basically. Is that 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 fat? I'll tell you more about keto and moving to that sort of diet later. This is not a this is definitely not uh, a podcast about diet, but I'll tell you how that's hopefully going to help me in my purpose for this year. Anyways, I went back upstairs and using my Pixel Book, I use Google Play and was reading this amazing book. How Will They Measure Your Life by Clayton Christensen. And I took so many notes. I love Google Play because like with the Kindle app, you can save your notes. And then I've got a whole Google Doc full of those amazing notes that I can't wait to share with you. So I was in sitting in bed, literally, I knew if I stopped reading this book that I would be distracted. I would sit at the computer and do a hundred different things that I thought I have to make a good decision about purpose. And one of the things I thought was interesting, both about reading the book and something that I've been thinking about since my last interview, my last conversation with Jim Fortin, who I know, you know, I mentioned his name a lot now on this podcast, an amazing guy, like Bill Courtright, just one of those people that just inspires the heck out of me. And Jim's model of, we, we normally say, if I have money, I'll do things, I'll be awesome, have, do, be, turns that on its head and says, be, do, have. And when you think about being, often the discussion is, well, how do I be? How do I be? And in my last conversation with Jim, and by the way, this is me asking the question. So it's not like I have it all figured out. This is why I said, I feel like I'm on the same journey as you trying to figure out this purpose. If you listen to yesterday's, you know, I have a very good friend, Leanne, who's constantly challenging me to find my purpose, know my purpose, have a purpose. And I've been struggling with, I've been struggling with for years. And maybe you're like me who are struggling with the exact same thing. So back to my thoughts about Jim Fortin, how do I be? Like, I, I know that I need to be, and I know that be leading is, is the better method of living than to just to have and then hope that I be. How do I be first? How do I be from this moment of integrity? And Jim's answer was really simple. And it ties in with the discussion today that I want to talk to you about when this, and carving off this idea of purpose. Here I am talking to Jim Fortin. He spent 20 years studying with monks, outlining topics and ideas that you'll hear from grandmasters like Tony Robbins and others. And I love, I've heard Tony, 
I've heard others speak about eloquently about these ideas, but it was really Jim who got inside my head the most. One, his tone of voice is very soothing. If you talk to him, he's just very calm and confident and assured. But I was asking him, how do I be? How do I be? And maybe some of you are asking the same question. How do I be? What's the formula for being? Like I was born a being. I don't know how to be. It's just, it's wired into me, right? No one as a baby taught you how to breathe. They smacked you on the behind. You cried. That was your first breath. But if you had to reverse engineer how to breathe, it's probably not something that you've thought about unless you've put yourself in a situation, in a situation where you've had to breathe. Maybe you're in an environment where you didn't have a lot of oxygen. You're in a cave or something. Maybe you're running and you had to tell yourself, slow down, breathe. Uh, If you ever had kids and been to Lamaze class, you'll say, you'll know that they teach you how to breathe. So I'm stitching in my mind these clues together. I'm asking Jim Fortin, how do I be? I'm thinking, being. And Jim's answer was profound. And it connects to what I was reading. And if you're part of the book club, you've been reading as part of the Clayton Christensen book, How Will They Measure Your Life? He says, you make time for it. That's Jim Fortin. You make time for it. So, such a simple but profound answer. You make time to be. Now, what, what does that mean? What does that mean? And I'm I'm thinking about this, and you can even tell in my mind, my eyes are up and to the left. I'm thinking, I'm thinking of a story, of an illustration, of a pattern, of a process. I'm trying to put the dots together to connect the story so that it all makes sense in my mind. You make time to be, but how can I when I have so much to do? And therein lies the challenge. I began to think about my running. People often tell me, you know, how do you make time for it all? As I look back at 2017, I've run over 3,000 miles, and I really did only one major race this last year. It was a a marathon of 26 miles. That's it. So no 100-mile races at all this year. So there was no huge chunks of miles, but over 3,000 miles on roads and trails. And I took several months off towards the end of this year where I'm only doing 20 or 30 miles a week, 30, 40 miles a week. Some of you are thinking that's, that's time off. Yes. <laughs> when you're used to doing 70 or 80 miles, it's a, taking a break is 30 or 40 miles. So people will often ask me, how do you, how do, you do that? How do you make time for it? And I said, well, I, I, I kind of always in my mind been like, what do you mean? How do I make time for it? You make time for it. People say, well, no, no, no. How do you make time for it? And I go, I, I, I just make time for it. Even my my beautiful bride, who's, who's, who's done four or five amazing feats, we were reviewing with her about her 2017. She did her first, she did a, a triathlon 30 minutes off her time, sprint triathlon from one year to the next. That's amazing. It took 30 minutes off of her time. 30, just turned 36. Ran her fastest 5K in years. Ran her longest distance and then turned around and broke it by 20%. We we're talking about all of the accomplishments that she's had this year. So she's pretty proud of her. I'm pretty proud of her. But she used to ask me all the time, how do you make time for this? 
like you just make time for this. I have to I have to be mom. And I think something interesting happened for her. One, our kids are getting a little bit older with the six-year-old or soon-to-be six-year-old in the house, our beautiful little baby girls growing up. You realize that you don't need you know, to babysit every waking moment of their life. So you have sometimes what appears to be a little more free time, time to escape from the house. But the answer to that question is an easy one. The answer to what Jim was saying about being is an easy one. How do you make time for running? You make time for it. How do you make time for dieting? You make time for it. How do you make time for being? You just make time for it. Let me tie into what I read, and this is not a full book review, but in Clayton Christensen's book, one of the chapters, he makes an eloquent argument in, in probably five or six words. He talks about purpose, and he said, most people state a different purpose than actually they have. He even illustrates in his book the fact that if you looked at Enron, Enron had a whole list of values. <laughs> values. They had purpose. They had their mission statement, which is their purpose, right? Their mission was to provide respect and integrity. What? <laughs> respect and integrity in their business units. They, they did none of it. By the way, Jeffrey Skilling, who was uh, you know, the CEO of Enron, was one of Clayton Christensen's students at Harvard. So he talks about how could we have gone so far off the rails, but he talks about this idea that your purpose is not what you say it is, it is what you prioritize, which links back to Jim Fortin, which links back to my running, which links back to how you may be thinking about 2018 and why we're starting the month and the year off with this idea of purpose. Your purpose is not what you say it is, it is what you are prioritizing. So what is that for you? Think about that right now. You may say you're prioritizing getting out of debt, but are you making any more money and saving any more money? If you're not your priority, your purpose is not what you say it is. Your priorities belie the fancy mission statement you have for your life that you tell other people. And, and it's funny, when you have someone like Enron, and by the way, if you've not read Jeffrey Eichenwald's books where he talks about you know the smartest guys in the room and he basically pulls the covers off of Enron and, and a kind of a, just, it's almost, it's, it should be a movie. Of course, Smartest Guys in the Room was a movie, but Je Jeffrey Eichenwald writes about Enron in some, in some really amazing ways. And he, he just, you see what's going on and you know, what, while we're saying our purpose is to make our shareholders wealthy, they weren't doing that at all. They were selfishly charging people more money than they should be, stealing basically from not their shareholders, but from their consumers and from governments and tricking markets and doing all kinds of things to be one of the top 10 biggest companies by market cap on the stock exchange, only to go bankrupt months later. So their purpose, what they said their purpose was, was a lie and not a purposeful lie. It wasn't something I don't think they started off intending to, to be a lie, but it was something that over time, their priorities, their priorities gave true witness to their purpose. So think for a moment uh, yourself together with me about your priorities. What are your priorities right now? 
like today, this moment, while you're listening to this podcast, what are your priorities? Do you have a priority for the day? Do you have a priority for the week? We have priorities with our family members. We've got priority members with our business. We have priority that matters with church, religion, God, whether you believe in God or don't. This is not a podcast to convince you one way or another. But it's interesting. They say there are no unbelievers on the battlefield. I don't know. I've not, I'm not a studly person who's ever been to war. I'm, I'm at home cheering on those people who protect our country. They say there's no unbelievers when you're getting shot at. You do believe in God. Don't know. Don't know. Don't know if that's the case or not. But I suspect it's very similar to some of the business combat and experiences I've been through where you have to hold on to something. You have to hold on to a belief that all of this matters for some reason. There is some sort of divine being who has your best interests at heart. Again, I'm not here to, to give you religion, but isn't it interesting that we say, I'll make time for religion when I, when, I, when I achieve these financial goals. I'll make time for family once I achieve these financial goals. I'll make time to donate money when I achieve my financial goals. How many of you have been involved in a hand-raising exercise where someone said, if you, if you, if you, you know, won the lottery or if you, know, if you got this raise, how many of you would donate money to charity? Everyone's hand goes up, right? Everyone. My hand, your hand, all hands go up. But yet it's not a priority because if, we, if it was a priority, we'd be doing it right now. Maybe we wouldn't be giving millions of dollars, but we can give $5 and $10. You can give money to the guy at the end of your intersection who holds a sign that says, I'm broke. Yeah, he may be there to scam you or may, maybe he's really broke and trying to figure it out. Again, it's not about you getting played or not. It's about what you prioritize. So this, I think, is the essence. This is one of the clues to finding purpose. This is, it's like you walk in and you smell a candle that's lit and it's a beautiful, uh, it's a beautiful smell and you're thinking, oh, I know there must be a candle in the room because of the beautiful fragrance I smell. Heat and smell and perfume, it's all mixed together. And so instantly, that candle lets you know that there or that smell lets you know that there's a candle in the room. And that's what I think this idea about priorities is. Take a look, if you want to know what your purpose is right now, at what you're prioritizing. Do you prioritize not missing a television show? Do you prioritize spending money on whatever you want to spend money on? Do you prioritize going to work over relationships of friend and family? One of the biggest regrets of people in their years of passing is I wish I would have made more time for friends. I wish I would have made more time for family. And by the way, it took me many years to figure this out. I'm still figuring it out right now. Look, email will go on. Life will go on. Business will go on. Your organization will go on without you. But it's those relationships that begin to fall away over time. And so here's my challenge for you today. Here's, here's something that I'm going to work on and together we're going to work on together in this month of purpose is this idea of being, who are we being? Do you know how we become who we want to be? By setting off 
specific times, setting aside specific allocations of time on our calendar, that precious commodity of time. We make time to be, and then we fit everything else around it. Do you get that? That's a simple concept today. You, f- you make time to be, and then you do everything else around it. You'll get everything else done. You'll send the emails. You'll still do all the other things. If you want to meditate, make time for it. You want to run and get in shape, make time for it. You want to eat healthy, make time for it. You want to find religion and, and some sort of calling, fulfillment, make time for it. You need help with relationships, make time for it. You want to, you want to fall in love with that perfect person, make time for it. It's not an accident. What you prioritize becomes your purpose. I can't wait to keep talking to you about this idea of purpose. I'm learning. I'm growing. I sat in bed for two and a half hours reading this book, getting it all done just because I knew I would be distracted and not get the full essence from it. I'm hoping that by setting example of that, making time to be, that encourages you to do the exact same thing.